Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, I hope everybody's enjoying their March break. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of kids were off this past week. Not sure if you've been away or if you're just doing things at home. Hey, listen, maybe even touring around our great city. There's lots of things to do and I know there was lots of tours. And of course, you know, it's always a great thing to kind of reinvest back into our own marketplace by us being tourists and you know it's amazing because sometimes I forget that and you know my wife and I will come down to Toronto and we'll kind of spend a day down kind of you know touring around the city and keep forgetting you know we come here for work but then you can you know run back home being out in the suburbs and you kind of forget that it has so much to offer and uh, so one of those things that you know you can be a tourist in your own city it's pretty cool and uh, quite enjoyable um, so we've got a great show planned for you this week by the way um, as as we will continue on our new segment on being on the ground with the local realtors uh, a little bit later on the hour i've got shannon mclean and she's from the mclean group in ajax and pickering and uh, this is one of those marketplaces that you know was very very underrated for years and definitely has had a big increase over the last few years and we're going to uh, have a great conversation with shannon also, um, figured we kind of tie to, you know, put two birds with one stone. Of course, repeating guest, Mr. Ray Ferris. He used to be the president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, but Ray also is a broker. Uh, and we're going to be talking to him about the outer markets and what is happening uh, in some of the smaller towns and marketplaces in southern Ontario as far as real estate. You know, they had a huge run up. In fact, Ray was keeping us up to date on things, talking to us about the multiple offers that they were receiving and for uh, for you know quite a few years they never saw them and then all of a sudden out of nowhere the last few years they started to see them so you know what we're going to touch base with ray and find out if this continues on in the outer markets or is it like toronto you know are are we still seeing the heat in the market and um i'm going to bring back mike chesahovsky uh from cbre he was on with us last week and uh i do want to delve a little bit more into the commercial aspect of things because a lot of times people don't realize that the com commercial real estate isn't just about you know where people have uh, stores and uh, big business buildings or you know towers uh, a lot of times the commercial stuff actually gets rolled over we talk a lot about apartment buildings we talk about hotels you know what is being developed in Toronto you know is the uh, is the government helping them at all which you know we all know the answer is no but what the heck we may as well have the uh, the pro talk to us about it and it's really important that we do get an idea about what is going on in that part of the market uh, a little bit uh, shortly I'm going to go with the question of the week and remember if you are interested in asking me a question for me to read it on air you can go to Todd at thesimpleinvestor.com and I'm happy to have a chat. And speaking of The Simple Investor, by the way, um, you know, we had a great release uh, recently, uh, some townhomes, unbelievable price. And um, pretty much we've just kind of got the final part of the last phase, a few left. If you're interested in becoming an investor where you do not do anything, complete hands-off management, and no matter what you get in your monthly rent, um, then why don't you go to thesimpleinvestor.com and uh, click on our stuff. You'll find out more about us, what we do, and uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. One of the things I want to talk about this week, of course, is the fact that we've got the banks now throwing up their hands saying that they want to issue warning to foreign investors in Canadian real estate. 
um, there right now, uh, the banks are actually pushing back. You know, before it was interesting. The banks were happy to let foreign buyers come in. They would typically say, "Hey, listen, pony up 35%, and we'll give you a mortgage." Because they figured it was kind of a you know a win-win situation. If the foreign buyer decided not to pay their mortgage, well, they've got a ton of equity that they could take to the market and be able to unload it in a power sale situation. Um, and so in Canada, just so you know, when uh, when they they call it foreclosures in the U.S., but they still get to sell the property for market value. And if the foreign buyer is in uh, you know deep arrears with them, they definitely get to recover it, all their costs, and the property does get to be sold. But they are now saying that, hey, listen, you know what? We don't want foreign buyers using uh, Canadian real estate as piggy banks. Uh, shocking. Um, how come we didn't have this conversation a couple of years ago when uh, when first Vancouver implemented their foreign buyer tax? You know, we're, we're almost coming up to two years on that. And yet today is the day that they decide that they want to start talking about this. I find it interesting because or hypocritical because, you know, they were definitely pulling in the interest rates. And all of a sudden now, because everybody's up in arms about foreign buyers, you know, I, I guess attacking the markets and you know making it tougher for some people to buy uh, then they they're, they're, they're pushing a little bit harder on it um, so one of the things also that kind of ties into this entire story is the BC government the NDP out there uh, a couple of weeks ago I was talking with Romana King and from and she's out in the BC market now in Vancouver and we were having the conversation the fact that the BC government wants to implement uh, a extra tax on top of even Canadian owners of vacation properties that are not renting them out. So, you know, the people that are right beside them in Alberta, if they turn around and own something in the Okanagan Valley or anywhere in BC, that they would be getting this extra tax. And heck, even on people from Ontario, I'm pretty sure there are some people in Ontario that own vacation properties in BC that do not want to rent them out. I understand it. I own a vacation property. I'd never want to rent it out. But so what, what has now happened is that the, the government is kind of doing a little bit of a, a, a backtrack here. They, uh, I think they probably got absolutely lambasted by the fact that you would charge a Canadian citizen, resident, taxpayer, extra tax because they own a vacation property in a province. Um, so far, we haven't heard anything out of our, our wonderful Liberal government about doing something the same, and I sure as heck hope that they don't even consider this, because really, people should be marching on them, and, and you know, I'm not going to encourage any kind of violence or anything else. But the truth is, it's just getting ridiculous how much in taxes that the governments are trying to derive from real estate. I mean, you know, if they could just break the entire system, hand it over to the younger generation, um, how are they going to support you know, all the retirees in the future? It's just amazing, you know, the mindset. And I got to tell you, week after week, I just get sick and tired of listening to all the extra rules and taxes that they want to lambaste everybody with. Uh, again, the BC government was throwing out the new uh, foreign buyer tax, punching it up to 20%. Right now, we have not seen the reaction in the province of Ontario because our numbers are going down. We're not going up right now. And I would imagine that until we kind of best for them just to sit on their hands and not get any crazier than they already have. Uh, right now, of course, coming into the spring market, uh, I'm going to throw it out there just because it's something that we've seen in the past um, to all of the lenders, all the banks. Remember when you used to turn around and want to be competitive, you know, when you actually turned around and actually gave people a little better break in the spring market because you wanted to own more of the market? Hey, there's a hint. Maybe you should be doing that this spring. You know what? Cut some people some slack. We've already had the Bank of Canada go up 
three times. Sure, it was quarter point each. You already slapped everybody with the big 2% stress test. Um, you know what? For the people that are serious about buying real estate, why don't you uh, cut everybody a slack? And instead of pushing the interest rates as hard as you can, you know what? Maybe uh, giving people an extra discount may be you know, beneficial to the bankers out there when it comes down to the spring market. If not, hey, listen, why don't you just take a look at your bottom line and watch it disappear? It might not be a bad thing, and maybe you might realize that the clients are actually the people that are the ones with the mortgages and that actually pay all the high interest rates to the lenders. Yeah, I know everybody's going to sit there and say, hey, you can try and start a fight with banks. Not at all. I just think that they should be competitive, just as they request everybody else in this world to be competitive. Speaking of competitive, wow, did you see a couple sales that, you know, you'll see them flip up into the Globe and Mail or the Toronto Star every once in a while? Lawrence Park House goes for $422,000 over the asking price. Listed for $995, sold for just over $1.4. Um, how's this for a lot? $24 by $121, okay? Last time I checked, that was a bowling alley, I think. But anyways, big price, and so we've got to start thinking to ourselves, okay, is real estate as, you know, I would say, you know, cautious as everybody says, well, I still think there's some hot markets. You know, nice little 5,000 square foot place ended up selling for 6.3 million in Oakville. Yep, it wasn't even on the lake. So interesting, interesting. So I'm gonna uh, go to my question of the week, of course. It says, hi Todd, my wife and I bought a new condo a year ago and it is supposed to close next year. But, but what's happening is the builders just sent out a letter saying that they've delayed it and it won't close until at least a year past our closing date. Can they cancel our deal or can they keep delaying us? Also, can we get out of the deal? Thanks for your uh, help, Ajit. Well, Ajit, thanks for the question. And here's the one thing that everybody should be aware of. When you buy from a new builder, okay, you are now uh, pretty much at their mercy because if you take a look at their offers and of course you should have your lawyer review all new builder offers at all times you'll see that they have some delay clauses they can delay from construction from sales from permits uh, there's a lot of things that they put in and of course they should because you know thanks to the government and thanks for the unions and everything else they can be delayed um, it's when people start using the sales where they say you know we did not have sufficient sales um, and we've saw this this past year. We've seen some cancellations where a few people actually said, hey, listen, we couldn't sell our properties. You know, we call bull S on that. And because the one thing we know is that in our marketplace, there's no way you can't sell out a development. So we know that sometimes when they cancel things, it could be that they're going to pop up another year or two later at, you know, two or $300 more a square foot. But for yourself, can you bail out of this deal? Well, Unless you have an assignment clause in your offer, you would then risk losing all your deposits. So it's not one of those things that I would encourage you to do. Now, it doesn't mean that the builder a year from now can't turn around and cancel it. So, you know, if you want to put in kind of a safety bid somewhere else and kind of, you know, wait it out. But if you're dealing with one of the reputable builders, you should not have any concerns. And that would be one of the things that I think that, you know, you should consider. If you're dealing with somebody, like I said, one of the great builders out there, then have no worries and uh, you should be 
be able to get your closing. You know, maybe they've got a real delay, and that does happen every once in a while. And not not surprising, okay, not in this marketplace and not with the current state of the government and how they are doing everything. So just keep that in mind. And listen, Ajit, thanks so much for your email. Remember, folks, if you want to send me a question, you can. Todd at thesimpleinvestor.com, and I am happy to answer it. Anyways, coming up after the break, I've got Shannon McLean. She is from the Ajax Pickering area. She's part of the McLean Group, and we're going to talk about the market right there, right now. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. You know, it's uh, it's interesting because as the market has continued to progress and move outwards, you know, a lot of people forgot about a few areas. And one of the areas that has had, you know, incredible growth over the last few years is, of course, the Ajax Pickering area. And as I mentioned to you, you know, of course, our new segment where we actually, you know, go with local agents, people that have the actual knowledge that are working it day to day, uh, it's a lot better approach than us just talking about the headlines all the time. And so uh, this week, I'm going to be joined by Shannon McLean, and she's part of the McLean Group, and she does work in the Ajax Pickering area. And uh, Shannon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You know, it's a real pleasure being able to talk to people that are, you know, out there. I, I won't call it in the trenches because, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, the Ajax Pickering area has gotten way nicer. And uh, so you're, you're, you're there on the street dealing with things day to day. And uh, maybe you can tell us, how is the market right now? I mean, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of starting to evolve into the spring market. Are, are we starting to see, you know, some heat in the marketplace? We've been really busy from January onwards. I think a lot of people wait until the spring market, but as you know, it's all supply and demand. So when people wait until the nicer weather, everyone else does too. We love a January, February market. We're able to get listings out there. There's a lot of buyers looking after Christmas, after the holidays. People who aren't a fan of the colder weather just want hobbies or something else to do. So it's it's a really active market that uh, we like to take advantage of and encourage our sellers to put their houses up. At that time, because we're the best on the block, we're able to kind of push the envelope in terms of price and exposure. I love that. As as an agent, I used to practice that all the time. You know, I'd be talking to everybody in November, December, so they could start off the new year, you know, being one of the only ones in the market, you get the best exposure. And you also catch a lot of people sleeping because, you know, for yourself, you know, in, in your marketplace, I know you live and breathe this on a day-to-day ba- basis, but some of the part-timers, they, 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 they haven't revved up the machine yet. So they're not, they're not out there with, you know, listings that they may or may not, you know, be able to, to get out. And so this, this is a great, way for people can you know get the best of the market at the time but one question I have for you is that did did you find your marketplace you know was affected by the new stress test at all when uh, when they implemented the, the you know extra two percent on qualification it wasn't to the extent that I think everyone was expecting it to be and I think obviously last January February March April was insane and of course, the market corrects itself, but I mean, we're, we are still up from 2016 prices out in Durham. And I think a lot of people were kind of on hold in the fall to see how that played out. But with credit unions not applying to them and the different dynamics of it, it wasn't as impactful as I think everyone expected it to be. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing our market continue to grow um, is people realizing that at the end of the day, people still need a place to live and still will be buying and selling. Your marketplace, uh, Ajax and Pickering, it's still affordable in comparison to, let's say, the downtown core. What um, what do you see as kind of 
the lead sellers? Are, are you finding that it, your detached market, semi-detached market is the one that's growing the most? Or are you finding that more the first-time buyer townhome or condominium has got its strength? We're more affordable outside of the city, and we're 25 minutes direct train downtown, so we're still really close and accessible. And I mean, you can get a semi-detached or a townhome here for 550, 575 that's move-in ready. You can get a fully detached three-bedroom home for under 700,000. Whereas in the city, you're looking at kind of like a two-bedroom condo for that price. I think people are just being pushed out of the city into Pickering, Ajax, and Durham region. That goes, too, in the upper market. I mean, you can get a beautiful, you know, I mean, 3,500-square-foot home with nine-foot ceilings and all the upgrade finishes for just over a million. As our market grows, just, it's so much more affordable than downtown, and we're still so close. And Pickering and Ajax offer so much amenity-wise, too. Pickering revitalized their nautical village uh, lakefront a number of years ago, and we've got hiking trails, biking trails. Like, Ajax maintains its waterfront year-round, so it's in the winter, it's plowed and salted so people who do hike, bike, jog, whatnot, um, have a spot to do that that's literally at their doorstep. That's important that people understand, you know, not just the fact that you've got the affordability, but all the amenities that you have. Because, again, this, you know, one one of the things that we've recognized is that, you know, people definitely have a want list. You know, they obviously want nice homes, nice finishings, everything else, but they also want to have that ability to, as you say, go for a walk around the lake. You know, have have the the parks, the structure that allows them to also enjoy their life, not just being in a square box. Absolutely. And I think accessibility, too. Like, the 401 was really the only way to come out here. But they've extended the 407 now out to the 35115. So it's making communities like Pickering, Ajax, Brooklyn, the rest of Durham region that much more accessible, too. And I think there's still a lot of opportunity that people can jump into the marketplace now at a reasonable price who are priced out of the city, still have that accessibility close to downtown, and see their investment appreciate quickly over the next couple of years once we're kind of more quote-unquote discovered. One of the things that we've seen uh, this year a little bit more, of course, are the open house signs popping up. You know, this time last year, you know, people weren't bothering doing them. They just simply said, forget it, we'll put it on MLS.ca, we'll have offers in, in a week, and, you know, multiple offers would come, you know, st- uh, streaming in. At this time, do you find that they are benefiting in your marketplace, you know, the, the sellers? Is, is it a good thing to do open houses, or are you of the mindset that they're not to be done? We're a strong supporter in open houses. We do them every weekend and we just for the past six or seven years we do ours differently than I think most agents we have a very controlled scenario where I think it's not a free-for-all and I think a lot of sellers get stressed out because they don't know who's in their home whereas if you have an appointment that realtor is licensed insured anything goes awry that's who the fallback is so we I mean we ask for driver's license photo ID from everyone who comes through we only allow two groups through it is very controlled and if people don't like it they don't need to see the house or they can call their agent and book an appointment that way that's kind of one way to showcase the house as well as kind of qualify and educate your buyers too I mean people come who come are coming from Toronto that don't know all the hidden gems about the neighborhood uh, like parks and schools whatnot you're able to spend that time with them to educate them on that and make them fall in love with it. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Uh, you know, we used to practice it all the time, and, and I'm a big believer of that style. So, so Shannon, if uh, if our mm-hmm. listeners want to reach you or they want more information in the uh, Pickering Ajax area, how do they reach you? 
We're all across social media. You can always call us direct, or the best way is to page us through the office at uh, 905-831-3300, or you can find us online at theremaxfamily.com. Okay, excellent. Listen, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today, and uh, definitely we'll have to reach out to you again and get an update as the spring market continues. Thanks so much. That was Shannon McLean, and when we come back, we've got more, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So, you know, our uh, our last guest uh, that we just had on, uh, Shannon McLean, she's from the Ajax Pickering area. So why not go west? Well, you know what? When we go west, there's only one person that I really want to talk to. It's Mr. Ray Ferris. He is the former president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, and he is also the broker of record at Erie's Edge Real Estate. And welcome back to the show, Ray. Thanks for having me back, Todd. You know, always a pleasure. You and I have such fun when we chat about real estate. So um, so maybe you can tell us, uh, you know what, we've just come through kind of the hard part of the winter. Most realtors always struggle come January, February. I mean, sometimes they don't even stick their heads up until February. Um, in, in the outer markets, are you finding that there's still a little bit of life left in the marketplace? Well, you know, yeah, there is. What we're experiencing is a lot of buyers who just didn't find that home that they wanted late last year because of the inventory problem that we had. So we're very busy out here right now working with those buyers, but we have the same problem that we had late last year, and that's a lack of inventory. We just don't have enough houses on the market to satisfy demand right now. You know, uh, Ray, it's interesting because we just saw the TREB numbers come through. And, mm -hmm. of course, prices prices were down year over year, 2017 to 2018. We've been kind of figuring that that was going to happen because of the absolute craziness of that, you know, the beginning of that spring market last year. And, you know, the number of sales, of course, are down. People are saying a little bit of inventory. And a lot of, a lot of people are saying, you know, this is people adjusting, coming back to a normalized market. You know, the, the frenzy's not there. You've got the, the new stress test. You've got interest rates that are up. You know, the government has done everything they can to hit the brakes on the real estate market. It is having a little bit of a, an effect in the GTA market. But when you, when you talk about your outer markets and... Um, um, you know, when when we start looking at you know that kind of that that southwestern feel of Ontario, are your prices adjusting down, or are you seeing that the prices are the same, if not better? Our prices, Todd, have continued to escalate at huge numbers. Uh, now, our number of listings have been down year to date. Our number of sales have been down, but our average price continues to skyrocket. And we're benefiting from those people moving out of the Toronto area to our neck of the woods and our house prices are still significantly a lot less than what people would have to pay in the gta area so that is really benefiting us here locally in terms of the average sale price you know that's an interesting point um ray if we talk about let's let's talk about kind of your average detached house for a second and i know there's nothing really average about your your marketplace because you know everybody has big lots smaller lots you know older houses newer houses but if you were to take let's say an average four bedroom detached house what would that square footage look like in your area can you, can you kind of take us through let's say a listing and and let us know about you know let's let's talk about upgrades and number of bathrooms and and fit and finish and what kind of prices people would look at sure so let's look at the popular neighborhood of port dover most of your listeners will know port dover we're famous for 
the biker rallies on Friday the 13th, and we're famous for Lake Erie Perch. So let's examine Port Dover as a sample neighborhood within our trading area. So let's consider that a, a, a traditional three-bedroom uh, brick ranch-style home with full finished basement, three bedrooms, two bathrooms, a fully finished basement uh, is your typical home in the area. And you could buy a house like that in the Port Dover area, Todd, for plus minus 400000 Wow. Okay. And, and can you give me a rough idea how big the lot would be? Well, you're going to be looking at a lot that's uh, le- probably about uh, 60 by 150. See, you know, the funny thing is, Ray, when you say that, that's the size of two lots in the new stuff in Toronto. Because, you know, most of the builders are doing 30, 32 foot lots. You're lucky to get 120 feet uh, depth. And so so here we have a fully detached. I'm assuming that does come with a garage. It does. Probably <laughs> so, a double. A double. A garage at that. So we got a double car garage, we got a 60 by 120 lot, we've got at least three bedrooms, a couple of bathrooms, and we're looking in that kind of four to $500,000 range. Yeah, and that will even get you a fully finished basement, Todd. Wow, you know, it's, it's so amazing that, and, and really, you're, you're about an hour and a half drive, give or take, let's yeah. say, from yeah. the downtown I can make core. It downtown Toronto in an hour and a half, exactly. Well, I, I, I know you do that all the time when you come into the studio, so, you know, you're, you're, you're well-versed on that drive. And, you know, it's amazing because, really, you're, you're also, you're, you're steps away from, you know, what I would call, you know, bigger markets, such as your, your Woodstock and Hamilton markets. You're not far from those at all. Yeah, no, I can get from Port Dover to Hamilton in less than 45 minutes. Yeah. So, you know, when when we talk about real estate in Ontario, you know, we continue to think, you know, that, again, the Toronto market is the only market because that's just the way the perception is. But we're, we're looking at southern Ontario as having so many opportunities. But now your market is still going up. It's still strong and exceptionally affordable. You know, one of the things that we did, uh, we did struggle with last year, of course, was the whole implementation of the foreign buyer tax. Are you right. finding any foreign buyers coming into your marketplace? No, we really aren't, Todd. Uh, I mean, uh, most of our buyers are people that are coming from the GTA area, but we're also having people that were born and raised here starting to buy homes of their own. So we haven't been impacted by foreign buyers in any way whatsoever. Yeah. So um, I, I, I'm going to change change speed here for a second. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that your friend and mine, Mr. Tim Hudak, who is CEO of Aria, I know that uh, there was a letter that was just recently passed through to, to you and kind of to me regarding the Home Energy Rating and Disclosure Program. I understand. Right. I understand the provincial government has put the brakes on it. Do you want to fill our uh, our listeners in on this whole thing? Because we did we did make a, a comment about it last year, of course, because it was being threatened uh, to to the public. Yeah, sure. So the government was considering uh, implementing a home energy rating and disclosure program. We call it Her and D for short, which would have required a home seller to conduct an energy audit on their home before they even put their house for sale on the market. We had problems with that uh, for a variety of reasons. For example, uh, owners of older homes, such as seniors, would be put at a huge disadvantage if they received a low energy score on an older home. 
that would cost that owner thousands of dollars in hard-earned equity. Where I live and trade in real estate, we have lots of old farmhouses that just we know aren't the most energy-efficient houses on the market. We also have all kinds of cottages, probably upwards of 50% of our sales in this area are cottages. And doing a home energy audit on a cottage before you put it on market was absolutely an absurd idea. Yeah. And we were thrilled that the government put the brakes on, on this idea. Well, and my understanding is that, you know, ARIA uh, and the powers to be actually were doing some lobbying against this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know you're, you have talked in the past, Todd, about the value of the Ontario Real Estate Association, and I couldn't agree, agree more. And, you know, we have focused our efforts significantly over the last couple of years in particular on lobbying the government to create favorable real estate conditions in the province on behalf of Ontario home buyers and sellers. So, you know, we, we met with the government. We explained to them why we didn't think that her and D was the proper way to deal with uh, the issues with regards to climate change. And we made recommendations and suggestions to them how to tackle the issue, but in a different way. Other ways that we can tackle the issue are retrofit incentive programs. And I know you're familiar with lots of them, and I, I think your listeners are too if they listen to the show regularly. So there are ways to achieve the goal that the government wants to achieve, but we just didn't think it was right through a her and D program. Yeah, and and listen, uh, hats off for, for you guys lobbying against this. You know, um, here on the show, I did definitely push back against it as well for our listeners' sake, knowing that if you had to have an energy audit on your property, it would open up something that, again, necessarily is not valid. And for the government to actually give the green light that it was not necessary for a house that was a potential teardown or full reno. I mean, most people going into a lot of these older homes already know that they're going to be doing a gut reno or tear it down and the idea of imposing any form of you know that it was mandatory for them to have it was just a waste of money so i you know i just need to congratulate everybody in the association that was able to pull that off yeah thanks todd i'll extend uh, that to the association staff yeah excellent listen ray it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and um, if people are heading out your way what is the best way for them to reach you well, you can always visit my website, eriesedge.com, and uh, you can email me directly from the website, and all of our contact information uh, via telephone is there as well. Excellent. Well, listen, Ray, thanks so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure, and we'll be in touch soon. Great. Thanks, Todd. Take care. Thanks. Thanks so much. That was Mr. Ray Ferris. He is the past president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, and he is also the broker at Erie's Edge Real Estate. Hey, listen, coming up after the break, I've got Mike Chesahosky joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Um, If you're just tuning in, my next guest here uh, is actually coming back from last week. Um, It's Mr. Mike Chesahovsky, and he is from CBRE. And uh, Mike's always a great guest to come on because we talk a lot about commercial, we talk about condominiums, the new stuff that's being built by these developers, and how we have been struggling for inventory. And uh, Mike, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. You know, always a pleasure to have you on because, you know, I think, and and, and I don't know, you know, I, w- I wish sometimes the uh, our, our listeners could 
catch you and I off air because you and I have a lot of fun when we're talking about real estate and you know tongue in cheek. And I know you have to be politically correct. And of course, you know, you know, it, it's amazing. You really didn't have to wear that shirt with Kathleen Wynn on it with a big cross in it. You know, it wasn't <laughs> necessary. But actually, folks, he, he's not wearing it. I am. Um, but the folk, you know, the fact is, is that. You know, we've been we've been struggling massively for inventory. Last week, you and I were talking about it. You were talking about the idea that we just don't have enough in the pipe to to be able to take care of the needs of the many. You know, and the uh, the needs of the few aren't being met either. So, where where can this possibly go? We all can rent. <laughs> but you still need rental properties. <laughs> oh, rent basements. Uh, it's scary. It's scary with the the lack of inventory and now with the elimination of the OMB. We really don't know the new rules mm-hmm. for an Ontario Municipal Board. So we are we are right now sitting in a period where we don't know how we're going to get some projects approved or even if we can. You know, it's interesting how you say that, and, you, and and folks, you know, if this was if this was one of those live streaming ones, you could see Mike's conviction on his face. You actually generally look worried, and you know, it's not it, it's not lip service by any stretch. And you know, when you're on radio, you know, people can people can sound sad, but they they don't necessarily you know you feel it. But you feel it. You know, every time you and I have this conversation, it's almost like you want to beat your head against the wall because there's so much frustration in in the level of of you know development that we have here in Ontario. Ontario. And despite the fact that we can sit there and scream bloody murder to the government saying, you've got to do something about inventory, it's like listening to crickets. It is. It is. People blame everything but the inventory. It's simple economics. If you have increasing demand and a lack of inventory, prices naturally are going to go up because people have less choice. When they have less choice, the vendor knows that, and they're going to push prices. It's not changing. It's getting worse. But yeah. The, but people don't want to listen. You know, it, it, it's sort of like looking at the Tesla and the Volt, you know. The vol- the Volt's, you know, like, I don't know, a tenth of the price or whatever. I, I haven't priced one lately. But they're, they're, they're a lot less. But that's because there's mass production, and they're allowed to make mass production. And the Tesla is just, like, struggling out of the gate to produce. So, you know, of course, price is really high because people still want it. You know, we're 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 kind of running in the same same idea here. Is that look, if you could mass produce and get going on this stuff, like look, if if two hundred thousand condominiums could be built in the next couple of years, we wouldn't have an inventory problem. Prices would go down. Right. It'd be more competitive, and builders would be forced to decrease their price to compete against each other. Yeah, but if there was that much work, then. All the other trades would reduce their prices because they, you know, if, if if there's more options. So in other words, if it comes down to it, it'd be like, well, listen, you know what? There's there's more guys in the trades now because they see all the work. You know, we can get better deals. Like you could actually work better deals all the way down. Your volume increases. The suppliers realize there's more volume because right now, why would the suppliers reduce their costs? Okay, it doesn't make any sense. You know, like if if everybody, if if you need 500 toilets, okay, and that's the only number of toilets that are going to be used in condominiums in the next you know six months why reduce it because they know that there's only 500 being used exactly yeah exactly the market is such now that uh, i haven't seen these type of inventory numbers in my entire career in over 30 years right and i haven't seen the difficulty in taking things through the process sites that are approved designated even to go through site plan that should be six months take up to two years wow 
Okay, so let's let's talk about a couple other things that have been in the news lately, and and then I do you know last week you and I had touched on you know Toronto a little. I want to talk a, a little bit more about CBRE's outlook for 2018, but I do want to talk about a couple things that we did see in the news. Uh, Hong Kong builder enters Toronto market with five tower development plan. Uh, you, do you know about that uh, that program? So it was interesting because I think it's Ayun Property Group is doing 1.7 million dollar. Uh, sorry, 1.7 million square feet um, right at, uh, let's see, it's at Young Street in North York. They bought a large plaza at the southeast corner of Kummer and Young. Right. It's called New Newtonbrook Plaza. Right, yeah. So A. Young. It's been there forever. Yes, A. Young is a large developer. Yeah. Came out of China. Okay. They just took a full floor of office space at 145 King, where oh. our head office is. Okay. A. Young is aggressive. Right. They're here to stay. And when a foreign buyer comes in and takes a full floor of office space and starts hiring Canadians boots on the ground, you know they're serious about staying here. Right. So 1.7 million square feet of mixed use. They're saying 800 residential units that they're going to build on top of it. Is this a good thing? I think so. We have a subway along Young Street. We mm -hmm. need people on that subway. We need to utilize the subway. Transportation's there. Young Street progressively is getting better mm -hmm. with the increase in density, the retail's rejuvenating, getting that much better. Right. I don't mind a new player in town. Okay. It's um, great competition. You, you know, here's, here's, here's the one thing, and, and I'll put on my, uh, I, I, I'm not going to put on my Kathleen Wynne hat. I, it's just my head's not that big. Um, but if we, were to, uh, if we were to talk about the idea of foreign buyers, okay, do you think as a developer who's going to turn around and employ I mean, that size is going to employ thousands of people. Okay? Yes. That development doesn't get built with a small crew. No. Okay. You know, that, and, and kind of years in the making, lots of application fees, lots of people getting, you know, like that, that's, that's a major employer right there. Would they have to pay foreign buyer tax when they bought that? Not on commercial. Not on commercial. Not on commercial. If that site had two houses on it right. rather than a plaza, right. maybe. Yeah, Maybe the ru the rules haven't been set, right? And we just went that through that on another site where there was a couple of historical buildings, right? And they were concerned that even though the site was designated for future development, that they may be caught up in the foreign buyers tax. Wow, you know because that obviously isn't cheap. I don't know what the purchase price for that kind of land would be, but you know it's got to be in the millions, obviously. Hundreds, hundreds. Okay, mm -hmm. and um, you know now here here's the thing. We we also heard that, and and. You know, you and I talked about this, and I think it's actually brilliant, personally. But Rio Can is now looking at some of their malls, and they're going to start dumping on some, you know, mixed use as well, and start talking about building up some condominium towers and keep commercial use on the bottom. Now, to me, I, I think it makes a lot of sense because normally a mall takes up a lot of space, right? You know, if you take a look at the average mall, you know, they're they're very normally flat. And so they, they take up bigger square footage. They also have outdoor parking, which is never a bad thing. I think, I think, <laughs> I think underground parking is the worst thing that it was ever invented in Ontario because of our salt. But other than that, um, you know, they, they still got big parcels of land. Do you see this as being a bit of an answer to our problem? I believe so. It's higher and better use for any site, whatever's on it. Right. So all my partners are in their 30s. Okay. I tell them in 20 years they're not going to sell any vacant land. Right. Maybe on the outskirts, but they'll be tearing something down on that site to put on a higher and better use. Right. So all the retail along Eglinton that's being torn down, 
retail downtown, C-class office buildings will all be torn down and that land under it is worth more as a development site on a higher and better use than the building is itself. So Mr. Sunshine at Rio Can, brilliant. Right. He's taking that land and for his shareholders are saying it's a better use to have a higher density on that site. Sure. And long term, that's what I'm going to do for my shareholders and it's working. Yeah. Well, it does make a little a little more sense also because you've got captive audiences. I mean, you know, it's just like if if you've got a, you know, if you've got towers up that you've got, you know, five, six, seven hundred people living in and, and Starbucks wants to rent the bottom, you know, the bottom section of it, it's great because they know that as soon as somebody comes off the elevator, they go right in. Same, same reason where we've seen a lot of these mixed-use developments. Like the idea, the idea of building a condo with no commercial portion to it seems to be going by the wayside. It seems like there's always a little bit of a mixed use. Is this something you're seeing more and more of when they make Condos in very dense areas downtown right. works. Right. There's enough people to really to help that retail survive. Sure. If you're in the outskirts, if you're in the 905, it may not necessarily work. Or if you're on a back street somewhere downtown, not necessarily. But certainly retail knows they have to go to that building okay. if they want space downtown. Yeah. They have no other choice today. Well, you know, we, we keep talking about density, and, you know, that's one of the things that the only way we are going to get more and more units for people to actually work with is by increasing the density, you know, densification of the city. So I would think that, you know, stacking everything together and kind of having that combo, you know, throw in, you know, a daycare, throw in, you know, gyms, throw in everything, because these are the things that people are looking for. You know, tr uh, out in Mississauga, of course, there's the new Rogers development that's coming up there right by Square One. And Square One was one of those kind of leaders in the, in the 905 to start having, you know, the integration of it. Uh, where they turn around and they have, you know, grocery store right underneath a condominium. And how it looks like the Rogers scenario is going to do very much the same thing. I believe so. I believe so. When these retailers are looking today in those type of areas that are intensifying, they have no choice but look at retail space underneath the condos. And our builders have gotten really good at building that retail so it works. Yeah. 20 years ago, there'd be columns in the middle of the space. There'd be <laughs> a change in elevation of the space. Today, they're providing parking, they, the wide open uh, spaces that retailers demand. Yeah, excellent. Uh, listen, Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, quickly, just as a quick note, uh, are we seeing any affordable commercial uh, transactions happening in any part of Canada? Where, where, if you were to advise somebody to become an investor, where would you tell them to go? Stay close to where you live. Okay. You know it better. Most of the very successful developers only want to buy within an hour of drive of their house. Okay. Because they want to look at it. They want to manage it themselves. They want to deal with it. I would tell people to go where you know. Go to the neighborhoods you know. What you understand. And if you can't afford it, get a family member or a partner with you. Start small. Start simple. You know, I have friends and family that are buying apartment stores above uh, on Young Street and on Eglinton and doing extremely well. Yeah. So when you see a site, take a look at it, but do your homework first. Yep, excellent. Listen, Mike, always a pleasure to have you on, and thanks so much for joining me this week. Thank you very much. Folks, that was Mr. Mike Chesahovsky from CBRE. Always a pleasure to have him on. Of course, I want to thank Shannon McLean from the McLean Group in Ajax for joining me, and Ray Ferris, yep, always great to have Ray on. 
Always interesting about his insight. I want to thank Ian and Andre for keeping it simple, guys. As usual, you make my life so easy. I want to thank you for tuning in this week. And remember, I'm back next week at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.